Amen. Well, good morning. I want to welcome you all here this morning. We're just going to spend a few moments in the Word of God and uh, believe that hopefully that you will be challenged and excited uh, just what God is doing in our lives. And um, I'm just excited to be able to be here and just to share what I've been walking through for the last few weeks, going over some scriptures. And so, um, but I'm just going to open in a word of prayer and then we'll just jump right in. Lord, we are just so grateful. Lord, for the price you paid so that we could be set free. We just thank you that your spirit is alive, working in our lives, and that he is setting us free from all the bondages of our past, and that you are leading us into new and awesome things for this day, for this hour, for this region, for this time that you have called us and placed us here. And as we spend time in the word, we thank you that it will not return void, but will accomplish what you've sent it forth to do. And we give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, it is Independence Day, a day that we celebrate when America was, became a country. Actually, it's when we declared, sent a letter to the king saying, you do not represent us any longer we believe we have the right to govern ourselves. It was a time that we decided that we wanted the right to have the freedom of worship that wasn't dictated by what the king and his church said, but that we had the ability, as the um, Declaration of Independence say, to seek li life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. But you know, even with having said that, there were things that had to be put into place to protect those freedoms. Just because we said we were independent, we were dependent upon some other things that were brought in. We had to set up a, a form of government. We had a, to write a constitution with a bill of rights to protect the right of free speech, the right for peaceful assembly, the right to worship as we please. That was one thing they, our founders wanted to to guarantee generations to come to continue to, to enjoy those things. But even that, we still had to set up government, we had to set up branches of government, we had to have laws written, and then it's dependent upon you and I to live freely, but also that doesn't overrun our neighbor and take advantage of them. And so we depend upon all these checks and balances to be able to be independent and to enjoy freedom, but we're dependent on everybody else doing the exact same thing. But I wonder if we look at our lives, do we realize how much we have talked about being free from what Christ has done, but what has he set us free from? And we realize there is still this battle that is going on in our hearts, in our minds, in our nation, in this world. A battle between two kingdoms that are fighting one another. There's the right versus wrong, good versus evil, light versus darkness, freedom versus bondage. How many people do you know, friends of yours, that live bound? Bound in sin, bound in guilt, Bound in depression, sadness, the things that the enemy wants to keep them from. You might even know churchgoers that don't realize that they don't have to live in bondage. But the thing is, all of us, mankind was born into bondage, a bondage of sin because of sin. 
Romans 5 tells it to us this way. Therefore, just as through one man sin entered the world, death through sin, and thus death spread to all men because all sinned. One man's wrong started this whole thing that it planted a seed into each and every one of us. That if that seed is left unchecked and not dealt with, it continues to bring bondage to our lives. Jesus even said it this way in John 8, that whoever commits sin is a slave to sin. It becomes your nature. You don't know any better. You're bound to what has been put around you. How many people do you know that were brought up in a household? You can see this, this repeating process of people that repeat the same sins over and over. Sometimes you see that where drug abuse or alcohol or even physical abuse has happened and that sin gets so entwined into people's lives that they just continue to repeat the same thing because it's bound to them. And we have to realize God doesn't want us staying bound to what others have done. He doesn't want us bound to what we did before we come to know him. He wants to loose us from those chains. He doesn't want us to stay a slave to what we used to be. Your testimony is not just the horrible things you did before Christ. It's the awesome things that God wants to do through you today. That's the testimony he set us free. Because if we continue to go in, into our bondage, the scripture tells us in Romans 3 that the wages of sin is death. It, that's the payment. It brings death to relationships. It brings death to our emotions. It brings death to the things that God's trying to birth in our lives. But it says the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. But you see, mankind can't change himself. If he could change himself, he would. We can make great efforts, but something inside, if it doesn't deal with the sin issue, we will revert back to the things that the enemy wants us to, to look at, the pride of life, things that look pleasing to the eye, and we take a bite of the apple, the, the, the fruit that's not what we should be eating. And we begin to go back into that bondage. But see, mankind was powerless. We needed something that could revolutionize our life to set us free from the tyranny of sin. Do we look at sin as tyranny? An outside force that's ru ruining and ruling our life and dictating our future? Versus being free from those bonds from the past. Romans 3, 23 tells us that for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. All of us have. Have you ever noticed you never have to teach a child to lie? You never have to teach a child to become selfish. Because that nature, because of what Adam did, once they begin to, to it, the devil wants to exploit that thing and get that root established before the, the establishment of the things of God can be planted and growing in the child's life. That's why it's so important for us to begin, even from before the child is born, to be praying over them and to begin reading the scriptures, speaking the things of God, that they begin to identify with the, spir the spiritual side of what Christ has for them 
And, and when we see that seed trying to get a hold of a child, no, that's not how we do those things. And we begin to train them in the things of righteousness. But see, we had no strength in and of ourselves to deal with what was in our past. It says in uh, Romans 5, in verse 6, it says, For when we were still without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. We didn't have the strength to deal with it. For scarcely for a righteous man would one die, but perhaps for a good man someone might even dare to die. But God demonstrates his love toward us, and while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He knew we couldn't change ourselves, so he left his throne in heaven and said, I will become entwined with my own creation, and I am going to take a place and pay a debt they can't deal with. The supernatural enters, the, in, enters to alter the natural timeline. Plot shift. The supernatural became natural to change us from that bondage. To stand up and say, you don't have to live what you used to be. You can go and sin no more. You know, Jesus loved people. And, but when people would be brought, they were in sin. What was his charge to them? I don't condemn you. Go and sin no more. When we have an encounter with God, it begins to change our thought life. It begins to change who, who we are, what we're destined to become. It's not by what we can do in and of ourselves. In uh, Titus 3, 5, it says, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us. We can't get good enough in our own strength. We can't talk God into doing things for us, but we can walk into his presence and allow the blood of Jesus to cleanse us from all sin. And that we can identify, and not only just identify with being forgiven from the bondage, he changes us. Ephesians 2 says, but God who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he's loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together in Christ and raised us up together and made us to sit together in heavenly places in Christ. Our destiny changed. We aren't just plodding through life until we die. We now have a purpose and we get to look towards the future, to go to heavenly places, to look beyond the limitations that sin says we can do or can't do. It is by grace, verse 8 there in Ephesians 2 says, For by grace you've been saved through faith and not of yourselves. It's a gift of God, not of works. So no one should boast. I didn't earn my salvation. I don't earn anything that I get from the Lord. He gives those to us. But I want to do things. And what does it say right after that in verse 10? We are his workmanship, 
created in Christ to do good works. We get to do things because life has come inside of us and we want to take that message so that other people that are bound in their their troubles, bound upon the thoughts, the limitations, the failures, and Jesus can breathe life to bring it back, to take the stone cold hearts and soften them that people can begin to love, to live as he is destined to, to live. It reminds me of the, in the movie, the, um, the Chronicles of Narnia, when Aslan b- breathes upon all those people that had been frozen by the witch, and they were all stoned, and they begin to come back to life. That's what we were in, in our lives before Christ. We were powerless. We were imprisoned but we don't have to live imprisoned by what happened before. Yes, for 1 Corinthians 15, 22 says, for in Adam all die, and in Christ all can be, can be made alive. Christ wants you to live free with vision, with purpose, with dreams. But you know, sometimes... People say, well, what if, what if I mess up? God made provision for that. 1 John 1, 9 tells us that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Not just forgive, cleanse us, wash us clean, make us new, refresh in our vision. How many of us need to go before him again and say, Lord, I've just been making a mess of things. I'm just continuing to go, fall back to what I used to know. And God wants us to live beyond what, what we even can ask or think. Is your vision big enough you can do it without the power of the Holy Spirit? Or is your daily walk dependent upon the Holy Spirit being in you to give you the, the, the grace to deal with the, the people you come in contact with, to bring his power to help set others that are bound in the lies that they can't amount to anything? You're, you're terrible, you are a mistake. No, according to the word of God, they were created in God's image. That's not a mistake. That's a purpose. Maybe something, somebody wasn't planned, but God has a plan. God has a plan for everyone that's here, everyone that's watching online. God has a plan for your life. And, but it's dependent upon us taking what he, the free gift of salvation, but also the free gift of deliverance and walking in that power. Because the scripture tells us in John 8, 36, that if the Son makes you free, you are free indeed. You don't have to stay where you're at today. Well, nobody said I could do it. Jesus did. He, he loved you so much that he came to be his, part of his own creation. But you see, when we enter into that relationship, we get a new identity. How many of you love to play the games where you, 
to try and be somebody you weren't, you know, dress up, or, or you just play different games, cops and robbers, whatever. And we played these different games, and we imagined us being something we weren't. And we acted out the parts. Why? It was fun. It was neat to think beyond where you were at that moment. But when we begin to realize we have an identity that is not tied to the sin we once knew, but we are now a child of God, when we begin living, realizing, I don't have to, to worry about the past. I'm not that person anymore. But I can live today a new creation in Christ. Every day is brand new, with full of opportunity, waiting for us to bring the power of God into that situation, to create new things for other people that are lost, that are dead, that we're breathing life into them because the Spirit of God is in us. That we begin to change from just living for ourselves, but we start moving to a life that we walk according to the Spirit of God. Stopping, hearing his voice when he says to stop, go take care of this. Pull over and help that person. Call that person. Take groceries. Buy that person's dinner. Why? We're living by the Spirit. So you're like, well, that's, that's different, yes. But wouldn't it be great that if we begin to start living that different life and the power of God begins to move so strongly that we start seeing revival breaking out in our lives, in our churches, in our community because we're walking as Jesus did? How many times was Jesus interrupted by somebody saying, please pray? On his way to go see Jairus' daughter, the woman touched him, and she was set free. But then he continued on. All the time, there were so many interruptions. Why? They wanted the power of God to change what they were going through. Do we want the power of God to change us? Do we want the power of God to change us? then we've got to press in. We've got to start saying, Lord, not my will, your will be done in my life as it is in heaven. 2 Corinthians 5 says that if every, anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. What happens when things, when things pass away? We deal with it, right? If a pet passes away, most of us bury it. Some people taxidermy it. That's really weird. But we deal with when something happens and it dies, we don't take it with us. Not too many people, I don't know of anybody, carries the casket of their loved one in a trailer behind them. Right? It's kind of weird and creepy, I know. But think about it. When the old has passed away, it's gone. But it says then, behold, all things become new. 
So why as believers, if we are a new creation in Christ, why are we trying to carry the past? It's just like digging the corpse up and carrying it along with us. This was the old me, and I'm gonna carry him around a little bit longer. Or we live as a child of God. Nope, that man died, and in Christ I am living free. Full of potential, full of life, full of grace, full of love for other people. We have to have our thinking changed. Having our minds renewed. You took my scripture earlier. Now in Romans 12 too, do not be conformed to this world. Don't be molded and fashioned the way the world expects us. You know, the world has ideas of religion when they think of the church. Lifeless, this person reading in a monotone voice, amen, everybody says amen. And no life, no passion, no... But we can live with joy and peace and looking at other people knowing what we have been delivered from, that we've been transformed by the renewing of our minds, changing the process of what we think about. The scripture tells us that God will take, has chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. He will use people that we don't see how they could make a big change to make a huge difference all because they dare to live out what God has called them to live. I have a friend of mine, goes all around the world in countries that you say, that's closed off to the gospel, and he carries the cross all over the world. He's been beaten up for it. He's lived, uh, he got caught COVID because of it. <laughs> but you know, he, he takes the cross and loves people in the street. And he's been able to love and to sit down with these children, with pe people on the street that other people have said, they're not worth that. They don't fit our culture. And he brings Christ to them. And God says, I love you. And it brings, and he's been able to see thousands of people touched just by carrying a wooden cross. Who can we see touched by us taking up our cross and following Jesus? Loving them. But that we, we've been transformed, renewing our minds, so then we can, to, to know what the will of God is. To, but you know, Galatians 5 says in verse 13, that brethren, you've been called to liberty only do not use your liberty as an opportunity for the flesh, but to love, um, but through love serving one another. We've been set free, but let's not just use that as an excuse to go do what we just want to do. But let's realize we need to be serving one another, serving our neighbors, loving our neighbor as ourselves. Verse 16 goes on, it says that if we walk in the spirit, you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. You know, if some of those desires from before Christ are strong in you, we have to go back and see 
I must not be as in step with the Spirit as I need to be. Confess what we've allowed in so that we can branch out into new territory. John 15 tells us this way in verse 4. He says that if you abide in me and I in you, and every branch, because as the branch cannot bear fruit in itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine and you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. We've got to make sure we're attached to the vine. You know, we're, we're attempting to grow a garden. I say that because every time, even if you plan it, there are factors outside your control. Between the weather, between deer, rabbits, raccoons, <laughs> that want to come in and to steal your harvest. But you see, there are things in our life that if we try and do it just in our own strength, we can't do them. But if we begin to know and plug into the Spirit of God and trusting Him, and He's the one that's leading us, we can accomplish much. There'll be much fruit and fruit that remains beyond. It's not just based upon who's standing up here. It's based upon what God's doing in you and you taking that message and loving those in your own house. That's where it starts. Husbands, loving your wives and loving your kids. Being respectful to those around us. Taking that love to our neighbors. But until we get the idea and the knowledge and the revelation in our hearts that as Acts 17, 28 says, in him we live and move and have our being. Until we get that understanding, we're going to be continually thinking just about ourselves and what we want. Do you realize sometimes stepping out just to trust God to, that he can take your hurts and bring healing. I think of all the different times when we walk through the gospel and you start reading when people came to Christ. They stepped out in discomfort. Some had to be carried by others. We had leaders, of Roman soldiers that came spiritual leaders from the temple, all these different individuals that had to leave their homes. One man even climbed a tree just to get a view of Christ. And Christ said, I'm coming home with you. How much more he wants to do in our lives than we can even imagine. But are we willing to step out when it's a little discomforting to our flesh so that he can show himself strong on our behalf? What's God want to do in Kalamazoo that he's just waiting for the church to say, we're gonna do it? I'm talking the body of Christ, not just 
cave first. I'm talking the whole body. If we begin to start living this out, realizing in him we live and move and have our being, and we start living that out on the street, leaving the bondages behind us, taking off those weights so we can run this race, how will our region look different? How many of you have a lot of things, a lot of skeletons in your past, in your closets? We all do. Why? Because all of us have been sinners. But by what Christ has done, what Christ has done, taking our sins upon his body, he has set us free when we receive the gift of forgiveness. Living free. Colossians 1 tells us this way, verse 13. He has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. If you've been forgiven, it's been paid for. It's been dealt with. You know, it's always interesting how the enemy wants to bring back things from our past that we've accepted, even before we knew Christ. Remember when you did this as a kid. Remember when you said this but I've asked for forgiveness. And under the blood of Christ, he has cleansed me and forgiven me of those sins. I am not that person any longer. Quit allowing him to try and bring back those things that are buried and dealt with by Christ. Allow Christ to be your public defender when the enemy comes with accusations. I trust in Christ. I need him. I am no longer a slave to the things I couldn't control, the slave of, of sin. I'm no longer going to be bound by the lies of the enemy any longer. I have been made free in Christ. Jesus even went to the, to the temple, and in Luke 4 he said... He read and he said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of the sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed and to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. That's why Jesus came, to give us liberty from our oppression. Don't allow the enemy to keep telling you the lies. Who are you? Scripture says I'm a child of God. I've confessed my sins. I'm forgiven. I don't have to live back under bondage any longer. Jesus himself came to take care of those things. This, 
year, 2021, is the, the year of the Lord for you. To walk free from those things. To have your heart healed. We've all been hurt. We are all, without Christ, we're broken people. Under the tyranny of what the enemy has done. But Christ took upon himself so that you and I can live free. So, when he sent out his disciples in Mark 16 and he told them to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature, we were sent to proclaim the good news that there is deliverance. We don't have to live the way we used to. You don't have to live bound in fear, bound in discouragement, bound in disappointment, bound in regret. We can live as a new creation in Christ where that old has passed away. And behold, everything, every day becomes new with him. But the blessing is, the scripture also says in Romans 10, 13, that for whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You know what? I'm so thankful for what Christ has done in my life. I'm so thankful for what he's done in my family's lives. But you know what? I, even though I was a, I'm a believer, I, I grew up in a Christian home. My dad was a minister, you know, so I got drugged to church. Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday nights, and any other time we had a, a church service. But it wasn't until I called upon the name of the Lord that I was saved. We want to take the message to others, but it's, we want them to know they can live free, but it's dependent upon them calling upon the name of the Lord. for each one of us, we need to examine our hearts. Maybe some of us don't have a relationship with Christ, or maybe we're just not in the relationship that the way it should be lived. Call upon the name of the Lord. He wants to set us all free to live for Him. It's simply, Lord, I confess my sin. I, I had no strength in and of myself, but because of you, you've set me, can set me free. We trust you as our Savior. We trust you every day. Lord, I just thank you that the Holy Spirit comes inside of us and begins to renew us from the inside out. Lord, save us, deliver us, set us free. wants us to live independent, dependent, independently dependent. How's that for a word? Living a life free from the bondage to the slavery of sin by enjoying a life of freedom, serving Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit.
Let's shake off those the, the, the ties that bind us to the past. And let's press into new things that God has. Allow life to be breathed into you every day so that you can see what God has for you and all of us in the days ahead.